You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. So, uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Don. I am the adult ministry pastor here. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Don. <laughs> Hi, Don. Um, you know, I just want to do, because uh, many of you, I mean, probably know who I am, but many of you probably don't know who I am. And I just want to give you a little background real quick of, of who I am and what I've done. Uh, I am the old guy. Yes, I am the old guy on staff. I am the old guy on staff by almost 20 years. Your dad's close, but he's not that close. Um, but I had another career before I became a pastor. I was a police officer for 30 years in the city of Santa Barbara. Uh, did a lot of stuff. Uh, rode motorcycles. Got to do a lot of fun stuff, by the way, man. If you're looking for a career, man, I know they have a lot of knocks on law enforcement. But, man, you ever notice when a cop drives by with his lights and siren on, there's a big grin on his face? Because they're, I'm sorry, we're a bunch of big kids. There's nothing better than reaching over, turning on all of the lights and siren, and going, get out of my way. It's fun. It really is. Um, but it also has a lot of ups and downs. And one of the hard things is it's hard on your marriage. I was struggling with my marriage. Uh, after about 30 years, I was not a believer. I was about your age, actually. Uh, is, is anybody over like 25? Maybe I was a little older than you guys then. Okay. Um, yeah, I was struggling in my marriage, and I wasn't saved. And uh, God kind of used a two-by-four and, and got me where he wanted me, uh, which was on my knees at a church in, uh, here in Santa Maria. Holy cow, this is annoying. I know you guys could hear me if I take it off, but I guess I do this because of, oh, I was just told, no, I can't take it off. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, God got me on my... Oh, is that it? That's going to help me. Pay no attention to this. Okay, yeah, pay no attention to the man standing behind me. <laughs> thank you. Oh, that, thank you. Um, yeah, so um, I gave my heart to Christ, and things changed. I would like to say they, you know, that everything was great for a long time, but I had my ups and downs. But, you know, when, when, when Josh asked me to do this, I kind of flashed back to <clears throat> when I was a young adult. I know this really doesn't apply to you guys, but when I got my first paycheck as a police officer, my one-month salary was $400. Yeah, 400 whole dollars for a month. Uh, my rent was $900. I was living in Santa Barbara. So I remember what it's like to be strapped. I also made the silly mistake of telling my wife, honey, if I, if I get a motorcycle, I will just ride the motorcycle. I won't care about the weather until we had our first rainstorm. And I said, honey, can you take me to work? Anybody want to guess what her answer was? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. You bought the car. Absolutely. You, you gave away your car. You ride the motorcycle. So when I read this, and, and it brought back some memories, because Josh asked me to think, uh, talk about, does God honor sacrifice? And, and, and two things immediately came to my mind. And, and the first one was, does God honor sacrifice? The first thing you have to ask yourself is, is do I really believe on the promises of God? Do, do I truly believe what God says. 
Anybody want to take a roundhouse guess of how many promises are in the scripture? How many? A little bit more than that. Actually, a lot more than that, I should say. 8,819 promises are in scripture. And you know how many Jesus, our God, has not kept? He's kept them all. That's right. No, he's kept them all. And so you have to ask yourself, do I truly believe in the promises of God? Because that's what it means to whether you trust in God's promises that he made to you if you offer sacrifices to him. Not blood offers, but if you have given your time, your effort, maybe some, some money, are you truly honoring, are you truly accepting the promises of Christ? And, and here the thing is, when God gives us the promise, who's making that promise? God himself, the, the creator of this universe, makes a promise with you. And he says, I am going to keep the promise. And ready for this? No matter what you do. Now, anybody have a, anybody know anybody that does that for you? Your mom might. Dads, forget it. <laughs> Your mom might. Siblings, no way. In fact, they're going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> God is the, is, the, is the faithful promise keeper. And, and what I want to do is, and, and, and how do we know God's the faithful promise? Again, it comes down to your, your, your reliance on Scripture. Because like I said, there are 8,000 promises in Scripture, and we know that one of those promises that God can't lie. And here's what it says in Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. That is, it used to be a joke. There's one thing God can't do. He cannot lie. So if you have a promise in scripture, I don't think there's any person, you know, many times when I was testifying in court, well, before, <laughs> we used to, you would put your right hand on the Bible, or you put your left hand on the Bible, you would raise your right hand, and you would swear on the Bible. Well, we don't do that anymore. Now you just swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you God. How many of you think that the people who say that pledge keep that promise? Yeah, a, lot of, yeah, a lot of head shaking. But God, when he gives us a promise, can't lie. And in James 1.17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's not like you're suddenly going to get to heaven and God says, oh, Who are you again? I, I changed my mind. you got to go to the other line. Tim, I don't even know you. you we left you behind at the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> that's an insight. That's an in, if you, let him make sure he tells you this story later on. But we have to decide. You, you really have to decide. And this is a decision you, you, you all have to make for yourselves. Do you trust the promises of God? Because he's going to ask you to make sacrifices. 
He's going to ask you to do your, your talent, your, your time, your, your money. And he's going to ask you, I want you to sacrifice for me. Let me give you an example from the Old Testament. I love you. How many people here kind of skip the Old Testament? I used to. I, 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 man, I sometimes had trouble. I kind of skip, go to the good pages. But let me tell you, so God used to speak to us through prophets. We don't need prophets anymore because he gave us his word. But in the Old Testament, the prophets spoke for God. Anybody know what happened if you said you were a prophet and it didn't come true? Yeah, you died. You were stoned. So if, you're, if, you, if somebody comes up to you and says, you, I received a word from God, now don't stone them. <laughs> but if it doesn't happen... You, you probably need to question it. But let me, let me tell you, Elijah is talking, there's been a drought in Israel. And the drought is caused by God. He has caused the rain not to fall on the nation of Israel. And he is basically, the people are starving. And Elijah is starving. And basically Elijah says, hey, I need food. And this is what God tells Elijah. It says in 1 Kings 17, it says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. And it said, Go at once to Sarepath of Sodan and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So as he went to Sarepath, when he came to the town gate, a widow there was gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, remember, there's a famine in the land. As surely as, Lord, um, as, she was, okay, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home. I'm going to make a meal for my, me and my son, that we may eat it and die. So basically what she's saying is I have enough for one meal and then my son and I are going to starve to death. We have nothing else. And the prophet is saying, give me that little bit of you have. Quite the sacrifice, right? Anybody here driven by somebody at McDonald's? Stop it. Yeah, and you, and you don't even offer them? You don't stop? I'm not saying... That you, but, but maybe you only have just enough in your wallet for your Big Mac, your French fries, and your giant soda. And what do you think sometimes? <laughs> you think, oh, man, do I give it to him? So that's what she's thinking. I've only got enough for my Big Mac and French fries and my kids, and then we're going to die because I have nothing left. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain to the land. So she hears a call to sacrifice. Anybody here ever heard that call to sacrifice? Maybe with your time. Maybe with volunteering at the church to do something. It's, all right, I remember what it was like to be a young adult. Anybody roll out of bed here before like 10? My wife used to complain. 
She goes, well, you can't, would you quit sleeping in until like 11.30, 12 o'clock? I mean, I remember what it was like. I wouldn't roll out of bed forever. And you're going to get me up and go do what? Help somebody move? Oh, man, really? But what she hears also is the sacrifices. She hears that great promise. And what's the promise? That God will provide for the rest of her days here out of that jar. Now, she has a decision to make. Do I trust the promises of God? Now, you have to understand, has she ever seen this guy before in her life, the prophet Elijah? No. This is a complete stranger. So she has to decide. The woman wagers all of what she has on the promises of God, because this is what she says. This is what she did. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So it was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. Spoken by Elijah. Elijah gave her a promise. There's 8,800 promises in Scripture. And one of those promises is that you will have eternal life with him in heaven when you simply believe. But there's other parts of the promise, right? Do we have a responsibility to help those around us? Do we have a responsibility to take care of our brothers when they're struggling? And again, I understand it's not necessarily has to be with money, but it's with your time and your efforts. I mean, I cannot tell you, I mean, I, the, the things I've seen in law enforcement where with people simply needed, uh, anybody here, the, the, uh, there was a man we arrested for a triple homicide and we were bringing him back from Chicago and we got him in a cell and he got the death penalty. He was never going to see the light of day again. He's 23 years old. He's never going to be out of prison the rest of his life. He is sitting on a chair or on a bench waiting to go to jail. And as I walk by, now I'm the, I'm the arresting detective, right? So I, I'm, I'm going to be testifying in, against him in court. And he's sitting on the, th- on, the t- on the bench, and he's just, I mean, he's looked as low as any man could be. And I just asked him, Ted, his name was Theodore Rust. I go, Ted, can I pray with you? Now, when we had brought him back from Chicago, he had confessed to all three crimes, murdered three different women. He never showed one ounce of emotion, not one. Told us, told us a story, matter-of-factly, how he did it, everything. I asked him, can I pray with you? And you know what he said? He didn't say anything because he broke down in tears. He fell to his knees on that cell, and he said, no one has ever offered to pray with me. Does that mean no one had ever taken the time? Had they looked at this person and said, ah, he's worthless. He's a lost cause. You know, I know I'm older, not old, older. But I remember how, how hard it can be to be a young person trying to fit in. Especially if you already have a label. You had a label from school or you've had a label from sports or you've had a label, whatever it might be, where the person, where people just labeled you and they want nothing to do with you. And no one will take the time and sacrifice their friendships with others 
to show somebody else a little compassion, a little grace, and a little mercy. It doesn't take much. You know, Elijah is a picture of Christ. He, he, he promises us many things, but he also asks for a great sacrifice. Matthew 16, 24 through 27, it says, And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man who gains the world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is, coming, is going to come in his Father's glory with the angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Do you know what it means to deny yourself? I'm hangry right now. I denied myself dinner. <laughs> but that's not what God calls me to do. God calls us to think of others before ourselves. And it's hard. I mean, what does our society tell us? Who's the most important person? Me. Yeah. I'm the most important person. Not you. You're just, you're just a guy. I, I, I'm the most important person. And it's hard for us to maintain that attitude of sacrifice. But God promises what? When he comes back, we'll be rewarded for what, we do, what we've done. You'll be rewarded for the sacrifice. I'll have to pay for leaving Tim behind at the gas station. Just so you guys know what happens. Tim went on a ride, motorcycle ride with us. There were nine of us. I was leading. I didn't see he was gone inside the gas station, and we left him. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. I didn't mean to leave you. At the gas station. At the gas station in, in San Miguel. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I left him at the gas station. I never noticed. <laughs> Let's go. I got, I got home, and I, had a, I looked at my phone, and there was a phone call from Tim. And I went, huh, I wonder what Tim wants. Hi, Tim. You left me. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Sorry. That's what happened when you sit in the front row. <laughs> so in, in your lives, have you ever looked at the jug have you ever had that jar and it's empty and, and you're being asked to give a little bit more? You're being asked to, to give a little bit more and you're thinking to yourself, I don't have any more. And you dig a little deeper and, and, and you give a little more. And it really comes down to, do you trust the promises of God. Do you, do you trust what he promises? Do you trust that if you sacrifice, he'll reward you? And is it necessarily going to be, because in our society, do we want the reward right now? Yeah. Absolutely. Because you know where I'm going after this? McDonald's. Because I want my reward right now. <laughs> I don't want to wait to Chick-fil-A. I don't want to. I'm going to McDonald's, man. I'm getting a Big Mac. Does this body look like it does chicken? <laughs> this body doesn't look like it does chicken. His body does Big Mac <laughs> and donuts, okay? God promises us 
that he will provide what we need, not what we want, what we need. And we have to decide, am I going to rely on that promise? So once you've decided, am I going to rely on that promise? Here's something else you have to decide. What's a sacrifice? What is a God-honoring sacrifice? So if I have a million dollars and I give $100,000 away, is that a sacrifice? Be honest. I mean, if you think that's a sacrifice. Okay, little. Kind of little. Okay, yeah. I mean, come on. The, government, the, the, the government's going to take 33%. So now you're, down to, you're only down to $500,000. Gee, okay, oh my gosh, only $500,000. But if I have $1 and I'm driving into McDonald's and I want to get a soda and there's a man sitting there in the middle, let's not say Santa Maria because it's not that hot here. You're in the middle of Bakersfield. And there's a man in the middle of summer sitting there with his dog. And all he says is, I need something to eat. And that's your last dollar. Is that a God honoring sacrifice? That's a question you have to ask for yourself. You know? Do you invite him in and say, hey, we'll get two straws? And you take from one, I'll drink from the other one. God wants us to give out of our inconvenience, not out of our surplus. Because is it hard to sacrifice if you've got much? It's not that, it's not that difficult sometimes. If, you know, if I'm sitting around doing nothing and you, know, you ask me to, I don't know, move, help you move some of your furniture, I'm not going to, so don't want to ask. <laughs> it's, okay, I got time, but if, if, but if I'm stressed and I'm trying to do something and you call me on the phone and it's really inconvenient, like you did for Tim. You know, Tim called you. I told him no, you called, so he called you. <laughs> and out of your inconvenience, you, you help him. You know, that's a God-honoring sacrifice. Of course, when you pull up and you go, oh my gosh, really? Really? My wife accuses me of that too. And by the way, my favorite saying is, yes, dear. You think that gets me very far? Nope. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. There's a, um, there's a, there's a story, um, uh, uh, actually a, an event that happens in the book of Luke where, and many of you have heard it, and I may not be just sharing anything, but the, the, the treasury, as you walked in, uh, you would give money. And, and people who had money, they would have it up high and they'd drop it so everybody could hear how much money's going in. You know, you could hear the, the jingling of the coins. But Jesus says, he sees a widow come in and she gives what? Jim talked about this probably two weeks ago. She gives a penny. But that's all she had. <clears throat> that's all she had. And, and, and I don't think it's a stretch for many of us to realize that God says, Jesus says, she gave more than anyone here because she gave out of her necessity. You know, how many of us give, but it's only if we have the time, only if we have the money, only if it's not inconvenient for me. <clears throat> and then God doesn't ask for our sacrifice just what's left over. God asks for our sacrifice 
of what's best, the best we have. Uh, if you want to get, when you, when you guys get jobs that pay you a lot of money and you're feeling really, when should you pay your tithe if you're paying your bills? First or last? First. Why? I'm going to give you a story from Cain and Abel. Okay, you're going to go to Genesis. In Genesis, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought for por- fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now, I'm going to stretch my theology a little bit because it doesn't actually say it in Scripture. But why do you think God did not honor Cain's offering? It wasn't his first fruit. It just says he brought some fruit. It wasn't the first fruit from the tree. Because anybody here, first part of the season, like, okay, who likes plums? Uh, Oh, my gosh. Okay, Costco. When, they, when the plums first come, oh my gosh, they are so good. What happens after about a month? Yeah, the, oh my gosh, they don't taste the same. They're not as sweet. They're not as juicy. Cain brought just some of his stuff. Abel brought his firstborn, the most tender, the most succulent, In my theology, and, I'm, and since I get to speak, I'm going to tell you what my theology is. I believe that there are words that we want to hear as Christians. Um, my daughter was house-sitting one day. Phone rang at 2 in the morning, and it's the Santa Barbara Sheriff's Office. And they say to me, is your daughter named Sandra Knapp? And I said, well, yes, she is. Do you know where she's at right now? I said, well, yes, she's house-sitting, at, and I gave the address. And they said, well, she was having a party. You need to come get your daughter. By the way, my daughter was 17 years old. You need to come get your daughter. Now, you know how embarrassing it is? Because most, most of the officers from the Santa Barbara Sheriff's Office knew me. You know how embarrassing it was for me to drive up, get out of the car? Several of them said, hi, Don, how are you? They knew who I was. I go and get my daughter, and she is... By the way, does anybody know my daughter? Yeah. Okay, so you can use this story against her, by the way. So, <laughs> so I go in, I get her, I walk around. She, I don't say a word. I really I don't say anything. I mean, she's expecting me to blow up. I mean, she really is. And we get in the car, and I'm driving, and she says to me, she says, Dad, say something. And I turned to her and I said, I am so disappointed in you. You'd have thought I had beaten her with a stick. She starts bawling uncontrollably because she wanted my acceptance. She wanted me to say the words that we want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant enter into your rest. That's the promise that Christ gives us, 
that when every Christian has to answer for what we've done here on this earth, well, and what we haven't done, and the words we want to hear when we're sitting at the, standing at the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and I'll let, I'll let Josh, I'm going, to do what, I'm going to do what Jim Larrabee does. I'm just going to float over real quick and let Josh handle the rest of that part. The Bema seat of Christ, we all have to stand there as Christians. And when we answer, the words you don't want to hear, dude, we need to talk. Or, I am so disappointed in you. Our reward won't be cash. It won't be crowns. I truly believe it will be those words that you hear from the Father in heaven when he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. God honors sacrifice. In Malachi, the, the church, or excuse me, the nation of Israel the prophet Malachi basically tells them that they're robbing God because they're not paying their tithes. And God basically tells Malachi, tell them that if they will give their tithes like they're supposed to, he will open up the floodgates and bless them. And this is the only time in Scripture, scripture that God says this. He says, and test me. Test me about this and don't see if it doesn't happen. The nation of Israel was commanded to live sacrificially. But like them, sometimes we have the wrong attitude. We fear of losing what we've worked for. Anybody worked for something really hard? And, you, and, you, and you, your parents tell you to give it to your younger sibling? Ah. Or you, you, you work for, you work, well, and you guys will, you work really hard and the promotion comes up and you don't get it. We have this idea that somehow we're losing it, but, but what if that promotion takes you away from your family? Takes you away from something that God wants you to do. We need to look at our sacrifices in a different way. Okay, I didn't get this, or I had to give it to them, but maybe he needs it more than I do. Or looking at it, you know, I, I, I was counseling with a, with, a, with a couple, and they were complaining that her job was causing a problem in their marriage. What do you think I suggested as the pastor? Anybody, come on. Yeah, get another job. And you know what they told me? Well, we rely on the money. We rely on the money she brings. Where are they putting their priority? On the money. Where, where are they putting the sacrifice? What would, God, what would be a God-honoring sacrifice in that situation? And maybe the husband takes another job. He works two jobs. <clears throat> now, if that takes you away from your kids too, you gotta, I mean, but it's, it's, it's recognizing that you need to have the right attitude. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
How much you give is how much you will receive. Does God honor sacrifice? Look at what Look at what you have. What the heck? I missed. <laughs> Look at what you have, not what you don't have. Because isn't that what we do sometimes? Oh man, if I just had, if I just had a brand new Corvette. By the way, I found out that I cannot, I cannot get out. I can get in the Corvette. I can't get out of the Corvette. <laughs> The, the daughter I just made fun of had to help me get out of the Corvette. I literally had to fall out of the Corvette. It's our attitude. We need to recognize that we need to confess what we've, what we've withheld and repent and say, okay, I am going to trust in God. And then lastly, I'm going to end with this. It's in Romans 12.1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Does God need your money? Does God even want your money? And by the way, Jen, you can't, or I'm sorry, you can't tell your dad I just said that we don't want the money. You can't either, Josh. (laughs) But what God wants from you is a God-living, honoring sacrifice. Your body is, is his. It belongs to him. And he wants you to use it to grow his church. That's true worship. That is true sacrifice. Giving what you have, not out of your plenty, but out of your, your want. You have to daily lay aside your own desires to follow him putting all your energy at his disposal, trusting him to guide you. And why? Because he paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. He died for us. He rose again, and because of his sacrifice, we have eternity in heaven. That's the sacrifice he made for us. What sacrifice are you willing to give to him and accept the promise and rely on the promise that he will honor that sacrifice. And that's a question as you grow in age and in wisdom, you have to ask yourself. I can't come up here and, and tell you what you need to do or shouldn't do or should do because you're going to make daily decisions. And there's something I always, I used to tell people when I, you know, they go, oh, I didn't have a choice. Guess what? You always have a choice. Think of any decision you've ever made in your life. Driving here, how you got here, whether you took that turn or that turn, it's a decision you make. So are you going to trust in God's promises that he will honor your sacrifice and he will bless you with maybe not money, but he'll bless you with spiritual blessings? Let me close this in prayer. Am I allowed to, or do I close after? No, I close now. <laughs> I don't know. Lord, I just want to thank you again for these young men and women, Lord, Lord, they're just starting their lives. They're starting their professional lives. They're starting their personal lives with maybe uh, significant others, Lord. And I just ask that you help us, and including myself, because I struggle with this myself.
that you give them the strength and the wisdom and the discernment to make decisions that are God-honoring and God-sacrificing, knowing that God has made promises and those promises he'll keep. I just, again, thank you for your blessings. I ask a blessing on all these young men and women, Lord. Keep them safe. Help them to make those decisions that will grow them and grow God's kingdom here in Santa Maria. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.